0: Welcome to UUCSW Reflections, a podcast by the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. We're glad you're here. The following sermon was delivered by Reverend Laurel Gray on March 15th, 2020. For information and links to readings or other materials referenced in the sermon, please check the show notes. Our reading this morning is an excerpt from the poem, Wash Your Hands by Dory Midnight. We humans are relearning to wash our hands. Washing our hands is an act of love. Washing our hands is an act of care. Washing our hands is an act that puts the hypervigilant body at ease. Washing our hands helps us return to ourselves by washing away what does not serve. Wash your hands like you are washing the only teacup left that your great-grandmother carried across the ocean like you are washing the hair of a beloved who is dying, like you are washing the feet of Grace Lee Boggs, Beyonce, Jesus, your auntie, Andre Lord, Mary Oliver, you get the picture. Like this water is poured from a jug your best friend just carried for three miles from the spring they had to climb a mountain to reach. Like water is a precious resource made from time and miracle. Wash your hands and cough into your elbow, they say. Rest more, stay home, drink water, have some soup, they say. To which I would add, Burn some plants your ancestors burned when there was fear in the air. Boil some aromatic leaves in a pot on your stove until your windows steam up. Open your windows. Eat a piece of garlic every day. Tie a clove around your neck. Breathe. My friends, it is always true, these things. It has already been time. It is always true that we should move with care and intention, asking, do you want to bump elbows instead with everyone we meet? It is always true that people are living with one lung, with immune systems that don't work so well, or perhaps work too hard fighting against themselves, it is already true that people are hoarding the things that the most vulnerable need. It is already time that we might want to know who in our neighborhood has cancer, who has a new baby, who is old. Well, children in another state, who has extra water? Who has a root cellar? Who is a nurse? Who has a garden full of nettles? It is already time that temporarily non-disabled people think about people living with chronic illness and disabled folks, that young people think about old people. It is already time to not take it personally, when someone doesn't want to hug you. It is already time to slow down and feel how scared we are. When fear arises and it will, let it wash over your whole body instead of staying curled up tight in your shoulders. If your heart tightens, contract and expand. Science says compassion strengthens the immune system. We already know that, but capital, capitalism gives us amnesia and tricks us into thinking it's the thing that protects us, but it's the way we hold the thing, the way we do the thing. Those of us who have forgotten the amuletic traditions We turn to hoarding hand sanitizer and masks. We find someone to blame. We think that will help. It is already time to remember to hang garlic on our doors, to dip our handkerchiefs in thyme tea, to rub salt on our feet, to pray the rosary, kiss the mezuzah, cleanse with an egg. In the middle of the night, when you wake up with terror in your belly, it is time to think about stardust and geological time, redwoods and dance parties and mushrooms remediating toxic soil. It is time to care for one another, to pray over water, to wash away fear every time we wash our hands. This is the wisdom of trees. My sister, Linden, is named for the trees that grow in Brooklyn where we were born. And when I came along a few years later, our parents named me after the laurels, a pair so that in having each other, we would be better able to flourish. For neither trees nor people are creatures meant for solitude. Thriving and flourishing and resilience are products of community. As the Native American botanist Robin Kimmerer writes in her book, Braiding Sweetgrass, all flourishing is mutual. She describes this book as a braid woven from three strands, indigenous ways of knowing, scientific knowledge, and her story of trying to bring them together in service to what matters most. And today we're currently in the midst of both a global pandemic with the rapid transmission of coronavirus and our annual pledge campaign. It seems We're beginning to remember that we are all deeply connected, that protecting the most vulnerable is a collective task, that love and care and justice are things held in the daily moments of washing our hands, that sometimes care for our profound interconnectedness means being careful how we touch each other, and how we gather, not as expressions of fear or isolation, but of the deep knowing that we are all connected. And pledge season is a time when we reflect on how sharing our resources with this community helps all of us to flourish together. It is a time to remember that without that commitment, this congregation would not exist. That is the beauty and the challenge of our congregational structure. There is no Vatican or bishop keeping us afloat or in line. We care for ourselves and each other. And we as a congregation a community and a world are tasked with our own flourishing, and that is something we sometimes forget. Right now, in this moment, we're being called to remember our connectedness, to remember that we have always been knit to the earth and each other, that it is time to care for each other that it has always been time. So let's return to the wisdom of the trees. In many indigenous traditions, it is said that we human beings came last, not because we were the most evolved, the pinnacle of God's creation, but because we are the youngest. We were born last. We are the least evolved and have the most to learn. In her book, Kimmerer writes this. In native ways of knowing, human people are often referred to as the younger brothers of creation. We have the least experience, so we must look to our teachers among the other species, for guidance. She adds that, their wisdom is apparent in the way that they live. I asked a friend who is native Hawaiian about this concept, and she laughed and made a joke about us being like toddlers bumbling around and messing everything up while the trees look on and roll their eyes at our stupidity. For in this family, we have the most to learn. This understanding of our place in the natural world is predicated on the idea that creation is made up of our siblings and kin, parents and ancestors, conscious subjects not objects for our consumption. This idea is called animism. It is a belief in an animate world, that nature is not made up of static things, but beings in the process of being themselves. In Braiding Sweetgrass, Kimmerer weaves together her indigenous knowledge with her scientific knowledge to explain what this means. She contrasts indigenous stories about trees talking to each other with science's initial rejection of that idea, but adds that science's skepticism is being disproven by its own data. Yes, trees have adapted to the natural laws of living, but we are beginning to understand how they communicate with each other and live in a network of mutual flourishing. The forest, it seems, is also a community. In her chapter entitled The Council of Pecans, Kimmerer tells the story of her grandfather discovering a grove of pecan trees as a young boy. The ground was so thoroughly covered with the hard orbs of pecan shells that it was impassable. Her grandfather knew how valuable the seeds were, so he tried to carry as many home to his mother as he could. He knew that the pecans were too precious to waste, so he used his pants as a bag, tying the ends in twine, running home with this makeshift bag over his shoulder. He was wise to take what he could carry, but to leave the rest. Because nut trees produce at unpredictable intervals in a boom or bust cycle known as mast fruiting, The trees act as a collective, somehow coordinating their production of resources so that it all happens at once, together. In doing this, they guarantee that not all of the nuts will be consumed by boys or by squirrels. Some will survive and produce the next generation of pecan trees. It is in their unity, their pooling of resources, that the trees ensure their collective flourishing. If each acted alone, producing only a few nuts each year, they would all be consumed, and none would be left to grow into trees. Together, in pooling their resources, The trees are able to thrive and provide nourishment to the surrounding community for generations to come. But the key to mass fruiting is that the trees act together. It's boom or bust for everyone all at once, because without that, there won't be enough abundance for the tree population to guarantee its next planting. There has been a lot of talk in these last few days about something called flattening the curve. There's a helpful chart if you Google the term, but the basic idea is that society can collectively slow down the spread of an epidemic so that medical systems don't get overwhelmed. That means that there are hospital beds and medical services available to the most critically ill when they need them. This reduces the mortality rate of an illness by ensuring that care is available to those who need it. Social distancing, making sure we don't gather in large groups or touch lots of people right now is how we flatten the curve. So choosing to cancel all in-person church events is our way of helping to flatten the curve of transmission. It's our act of collective care. It is not an act of isolation, but rather a pooling of our capacity to protect the most vulnerable so that they can survive. All flourishing is mutual. Kimmerer goes on to add that the trees do more than just coordinate their fruiting. They can send signals through the, through the air, pheromones carried on the wind to warn each other of danger. Scientists have found a particular compound that trees will, re- will release if they're attacked by insects alerting the trees downwind to produce defensive chemicals. This idea that the trees will warn each other of danger so that others may have a better chance of surviving sounds very human. It sounds like a kind of compassionate awareness and love of neighbor. It sounds like community. Sometimes what we have to give comes not in monetary resources, but in care for each other. Part of the role of community is to hear each other, to be with each other in the trials of life, so that we might have a better chance of making it through, so that we might have a better chance of thriving despite the challenges we face. In this moment, as we strive to collectively reduce the spread of coronavirus, we can remember the wisdom of the trees. We can remember that community is made of compassionate neighbors acting together. It is where we come together to hear each other's joys and concerns, to be together, to give what we can, however we can and sometimes that just means showing up and staying connected and sometimes like now showing up for each other paradoxically means staying home and picking up the phone or sending an email thankfully we too are connected by a web. Technology means that we can stay connected to each other even in the moments when we need to reduce in-person contact. One of the fascinating discoveries that scientists have made about trees recently is the existence of something called mycorrhizae. It's a network of fungal strands beneath the soil, connecting trees in a web of sharing with each other. The strands allow the trees to pull minerals from the soil, and in return, the trees provides the tree provides nourishment. The fungus needs to survive. Kimmerer points out that, th- that this may be the mechanism for synchrony that allows mass fruiting to take place. It also provides a web through which the trees can share their resources with each other, releasing stored nutrients through this underground web to other trees who can use the, the nutrients more effectively. It is quite literally an interdependent web a physical manifestation of connection and community. The root of the word religion is religare, which means to bind together. And this, our religious community, is the home where we become bundled together in resilience It's where our roots connect, where we find nourishment and share what we can, where we can do more together than we could do on our own. As Kimmerer reminds us repeatedly, through unity survival, all flourishing is mutual. We must remember that the trees are our elders and listen for they have something to teach us. In the community of trees, no one is excluded. All roots are connected, all resources shared. Bound together in a web of flourishing, everything is mutual and everyone is valued. Everyone has something to give and something to receive That is what allows for flourishing. We, the youngest siblings in this family of creation, we must remember that neither trees nor humans were meant for isolation or individualism. That how each of us lives affects the collective. So in this place, in this community, We knit ourselves together in a web of caring and grounding. And we have strong roots, roots that connect us in a web of flourishing, roots that help us to thrive and to grow, roots that help us stay grounded when the world feels wild. Together, We can do more to care for each other than we can do on our own. May we remember the wisdom of the trees. Amen, and blessed be to all of you. Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW, or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org, or visit us in person. All are welcome.